So in our intro, the song says that I see sweet expressions on each face. Today I see sweet expressions through your eyes because I can't see your smile. You have the mask on. And Jesus said that the eyes are the lamp of the body. So I see your smiles through your eyes. So they are sweet expressions. Praise God for that. So uh, ever since we found out that we were going to reopen, we said, okay, well, what am I going to preach about? It's the first sermon after more than six months. So God took me to a story in the Bible. So the sermon title today is, As in the Days of Noah. So, you know, one of the most fascinating and intriguing stories of the Bible is precisely the story of Noah and the flood. But more than fascinating, more than intriguing, is the prophetic implication of that story because Jesus said, As in the days of Noah, even thus shall it be in the days when the Son of Man is revealed. So, so in order for us to understand the prophetic implication, we first have to remember what happened when? In Noah's days, right? So iniquity had become so deep and so widespread that God could no longer bear with it. And he said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. So let us take a look at the conditions of Noah's time, known as the time of the antediluvians or the era before the flood. And I want to start by saying that their situation was that they had sinned. They had sinned. But I want to change that word sin to singular because of their sin. Because sin in singular Sin and singular. Let me see if we can get this mic up a little bit. Now I'll turn this other one up. Hello. Okay, so I'm going to change mics here real quick. So sin and sin is different. Sin in singular is when you break a relationship with God, when you are separated from God. We were born sinners, right? Because we were born separated from God. And so sin in singular is being separated from God. Sins in plural is everything that that sin takes you to do, like Robbing and killing and, 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 and lying and all that other stuff, right? So sin and singular is a broken relationship with God. And sins is everything that comes after that. So the reason that the antediluvians were destroyed is because they had a broken relationship with God that led, that led to open disobedience to God's law that ended in wickedness, corruption, violence, extreme Injustice, etc. So God had given his commandments to the human race. And someone might say, but pastor, I don't see that written anywhere. It doesn't have to be written. If you go through the Bible, you can see that that was orally transmitted from one generation to another. So even way before Sinai, when God wrote the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments were known. But they decided to disobey the commandments as a rule of life. The law was transgressed, and every conceivable sin was the result. The wickedness of men was open and daring. Justice was trampled on in the dust, and the cries of the oppressed reached to heaven, as in the days of Noah. So let's, let's see what their situation was. So what is worse than idol worship? If we talk about idolatry, what is worse than idol worship? Self-worship. 
self-worship. So they were worshiping themselves. So let, let, let's, let's find out what that means. So because they were so intelligent and smart, because, you know, they were still living hundreds of years, and they were just so smart, they still had a lot of the, of the, 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 the genes from Adam and Eve, so they, they had a lot of, of, of mental skill, of mental ability, and so they gave loose rein to iniquity in proportion to that mental skill and to that ability. And so they used God's bounties, his blessings, to glorify themselves. They turned them into curses by fixing their affections on the gifts instead of the giver. They employed the gold, the silver, the precious stones, the, the choice wood to construct houses for themselves. And they endeavored to excel one another. In other, in other words, enviousness was a hallmark of their lifestyle. They were just full of enviness. They sought to gratify their own desires and their proud hearts. And this was revealed in scenes of pleasure and wickedness. And of course, if we talk about idolatry, you know, the worship of idols and stuff, uh, Ellen White says that no desire to retain God in their knowledge. Imagine that. So they didn't want to retain God in their knowledge. They soon became to deny his existence. Now, I'm not talking about being atheists. I'm not talking about being agnostics. I'm talking about having a lot of gods, okay? Not about not believing in God, but believing in a lot of gods. From monotheists, they became polytheists. They worshiped nature instead of the God that had created that nature. They glorified human genius, worshiped the works of their own hands, and taught their children to bow down to graven images. Now listen, listen to this. Ellen White says that man will rise no higher than his conceptions of truth, purity, and holiness. If the mind is never exalted above the level of humanity, in other words, if we forget that God is there, if it is not uplifted by faith to contemplate infinite wisdom and love, man will constantly sink lower and lower, deeper and deeper. The Bible states, God saw the wickedness of man that was great in the earth and that every imagination of thoughts in his heart was only evil continually. The earth also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. That's, that's the, the scene that the Bible presents. Remember the topic as in the days of Noah. There was mocking and making fun of God. You know, they, they, they would laugh at Noah. You know, they, they, they would say here he was crazy. The scientists, the philosophers, the, the, wise, the wise people in his time would say that it, it was impossible to rain, much less a flood. It had never rained before. Yeah, right. As in the days of Noah, marriage was attacked. Violent crimes became the daily bread, and covetousness was the rule of life. Polygamy had begun very early on. If you go through the Bible, you can see how, how that was a very early experience in mankind. You know, they start having many wives. Of course, that was contrary to the divine arrangement that we see in the Genesis account when God created Adam and Eve. Crime and wretchedness rapidly increased. Neither marriage, relationship, or the rights of property were respected. In other words, if someone wanted someone's wife or their property, they would just take it by force. And they exulted in their deeds of violence. 
They delighted in destroying life. They would kill the animals just to use their flesh for food, rendering them still more cruel and bloodthirsty until they came to regard human life with astonishing indifference. They were killing each other like, like crazy. So yes, like I said at the beginning, iniquity had become so deep and widespread that God could no longer bear it. And he said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. That's in the days of Noah. Now I do have to underline something because uh, we find in Spiritual Gifts, Volume 3, page 64, something that is just incredible. Ellen White wrote, but if there was one sin above other which called for the destruction of the race by the flood, it was the base crime of amalgamation of man with beast. Genetic engineering at its most extreme. Playing God. Every species of animal that God had created was preserved in the ark. The confused species which God did not create, which were the result of amalgamation, were destroyed by the flood. So they had created all these crazy animals that God had not created by crossbreeding and genetic engineering. Now, at the time of their probation, when it was closing, the antediluvians gave themselves to exciting amusements and festivities. So just, just imagine around the ark, you know, you have a Disneyland park and... <laughs> they just built all these crazy things to just keep people excited and amused. Those who possessed influence and power were bent on keeping the minds of the people engrossed with mirth and pleasure, lest any should be impressed by that solemn warning. Now, now listen to me. The antediluvians believed the warning or did they not believe the warning? What, what would have happened? I, I was just thinking, what would have happened if they would have repented? What happened with Nineveh when they repented? Okay, so if they would have repented, then the Lord would have turned aside his wrath, right? But because of their obstinate resistance to the reproofs of their conscience and to the warnings of God's prophet, the generation filled up the measure of their iniquity and became ripe for destruction. They had the opportunity to repent. Yes, they did. 120 years of preaching. And even when God did that miracle, when all the animals went into the ark, imagine, they were surprised. So they went to the people that were supposed to know about science, and they were asking an explanation. How is this happening? How is all these animals going in in orderly fashion into the ark? And they were impressed for a little while. But after that, Impression went away, everything went back to normal. So under these extreme circumstances, God had to take extreme measures, and so God destroyed the world by a flood. So the question is, should this story catch our attention? Of course it should. Jesus said, as in the days of Noah, even thus shall it be in the days when the Son of Man is revealed. So we could say, if we just look around us, that the sins that call for the destruction of the antediluvian world exist today. Yes, they do. Let's just take a look around. So just, in the, just like in the days of Noah, the fear of God is banished from the hearts of many. 
His law is treated with indifference. His law is treated with contempt. Just like in the days of Noah, the intense worldliness of this generation can only be equaled by the worldliness of that generation. Jesus said, as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So, so you think that God condemns marriage? No. No. Does God condemn us of eating? No. So, so the, the thing is that God doesn't condemn them for eating. He gave them the fruits, you know, the, the, the fruits, the vegetables, the grains. God gave that to supply our physical need. Their sin consisted in treating this gifts without giving thanks to the giver and debasing themselves by indulging appetite without restraint. It was lawful for them to marry, yes. Marriage was God's idea. I mean, it was one of the first institutions that he established. But he gave special directions to that ordinance, clothing it with sanctity, with, with beauty. But these directions were forgotten. Marriage was perverted, and it was made a minister of, of passion. Just like in the days of Noah, a similar condition exists today. How many couples don't just get together with no type of formal commitment? Divorces are at their top high at 74% now in our country. New models of marriage disregarding the original plan. One man, one woman. And these new models of marriage are backed up by law and policy. And a lot of the sanctity and beauty of marriage has been removed in so many ways. Just like in the days of Noah. That which is lawful in itself, if it's carried in access, can become something evil, right? Appetite is indulged today without restraint. And we must remember that intemperance demands the moral and spiritual powers and prepares a way for indulgence of the lower passions. That's why so many people uh, don't, don't feel any obligation to curb their sensual desires. They become slaves of lust. So many are living for the pleasures of sins and they only live for this world and this life alone. Sex trafficking, it, it, it's at its historic high. Pornography is a multi-billion dollar business that affects not only the worldly, but only many Christians also. Just like in the days of Noah, extravagance pervades in all circles of society. Integrity is sacrificed for luxury and for display. Just like in the days of Noah, many take case to be rich. They want to get rich fast. They pervert justice and oppress the poor. And slaves, the souls of men, are still bought and sold. So it might seem incredible, but there are countries where there is still slavery. Fraud and bribery and, and theft stocked, unrebuked in high and low places. The drug lords that are in charge of the drug trafficking, destroying so many lives. Then we have the weapon lords, you know, the arms lords. That's the biggest business in this world, people that sell weapons. 
I'm talking about every type of weapons. Underground black market for exotic animals. So the three businesses that are contrary to God's will that make more money is arms, drugs, and exotic animals. The issues of the press team with records of murder. I went, I went this week to the, to the, the stats and, and the website of the government to see how, how this is going. And this is bad. Crimes. So cold-blooded and costless. It seems, though, that every instinct of humanity were blotted out. And these atrocities, the interesting thing is that these atrocities have become so common occurrence that they hardly even makes us comment on it or even awaken a surprise. Homicides, rape, aggravated assaults, property crimes, just like in the days of Noah. So the spirit of anarchy is permitting all nations and the outbreaks that form time to time excite the horror of the world are but indications of the pent-up fires of passion and lawlessness that, having once escaped control, will fill this earth with woe and desolation. So here's the picture that inspiration gives us of the antediluvian world, which represents truly the condition of our modern society. So, with all this being said, the Apostle Peter wrote, There shall come in the last day scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning. Do we not hear these words repeated today? And not merely in openly ungodly people, even from the pulpits of our country. I hear from many of the pulpit of the social gospel preachers on television say, don't be alarmed. Nothing's going to happen. Everyone's going to convert. There's going to be 1,000 years of peace. Wow. And then they say, please, don't, don't, don't listen to those that are trying to disturb you with a message of alarm. Like the Adventists. <laughs> this doctrine of the millennium is totally contrary to Jesus' teaching. Jesus says, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. And so as we have seen, he declares that the state of the world will be like in the days of Noah. Paul warns us, as we may look for wickedness to increase as the world comes to its end, the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the later times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of evil. And there's this passage very well known. It says, in the last days, perilous times shall come. And then, you know, he gives that, that startling list of the sins that will be found among those that have a form of godliness. As it is in the days, as it was in the days of Noah, even thus shall it be in the days when the Son of Man is revealed. So we're seeing a very strong comparison, a correlation between Noah's time and our time. Even genetic engineering in modern times. Science is using human-animal hybrids. Rabbit eggs with human cells, 2003. Pigs with human blood, 2004. Cat-human hybrid proteins, 2005. All, all with an excuse of medical science, right? Uh, Mouse-human brain, 2005. Scientists transplanted human brain stem cells into the brains of mice 
with intention, with intention to study neurodegenerative diseases like, like Parkinson and Alzheimer. Sheep with human livers, 2007. Cow eggs with human cells, 2008. Human, uh, mouse human liver, 2010. And something that was really crazy in 1920, way back then, the Soviet Union, the humanity, when they tried to get chimpanzees pregnant with human sperms. You know, because 98% of our DNA is shared with the chimpanzees. They're our closest relatives, they say, the, the evolutionists. <laughs> so in 1920, the Soviet bi biologist Ilya Ivanov, he artificially inseminated female chimps with human sperms, but pregnancies never took place. Now, now remember, uh, we said earlier how as the time is closing. Just like the antediluvians gave themselves to exciting amusements and festivities, what is happening today? Look, look what happened. My, my wife went for a biopsy about three months ago. And when she, when she went to the hospital, she was there, you know, it was a very scary scene because, you know, it was like all solemn and everyone was, you know, just social distancing and the screening and it was crazy. And so I couldn't even go in with her. You know, I had to wait there in the foyer. So my wife goes in for her biopsy and the doctor says, I wasn't even supposed to come this weekend. But you know why I had to come? Because they had just recently opened up the bars and the restaurants and everything here in, in the state. She said, people went crazy. They were in the bars getting drunk. She had to tend to a lot of patients with alcoholic congestion. She had to tend to a lot of folks with overdose of drugs. She says, why can't people just be thankful instead of going crazy? Well, that's what our world looks like today, just like in the days of Noah. Well, God's church is giving the message that the end is at hand. The world is absorbed in amusements and, and, and pleasure-seeking. There is constant round of excitement that causes indifference to God and prevents the people from being impressed by the truth which alone can save them. So I, I'm just mentioning all of this because Jesus is coming soon. <laughs> That's why I'm talking about this. But, but now I want to get to the exciting part of the sermon because, you know, we talk about how the days of Noah were. And we compare it today on how our world is. But then we forget that there's another part to what Jesus said, as in the days of Noah. Because in the days of Noah, there were also some very faithful people. So, so, so l l let's look at that. Amid the prevailing corruption, Methuselah, Noah and many others labor to keep alive the knowledge of the true God and to stay the tide of moral evil. So 120 years before the flood, the Lord by the holy angel declared to Noah his purpose, directed him to build the ark, and while building the ark, he was to preach that God would bring a flood upon this earth and destroy the wicked. And you know, God gave direct and exact dimensions of the ark explicit directions regarding the construction no, no human wisdom could have come up with a boat like that you guys know that you know that the, the structure with such great strength and durability God was the designer Noah was just the master builder so when Noah was giving the warning message to the world his works testified of his sincerity it was his faith that was perfected and made evident he gave the world an example that believing just what God 
possess. All that he possessed was invested in the ark. So he began to, he, he started building that ark, and then all of a sudden people were coming from all over the world because that was a really weird thing, a dry land and an ark, and it had never rained. Every blow struck upon the ark was a witness to the people. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, this is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, in the, hall, the hall of fame. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, had never rained, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. So, so listen to this. If you forget everything else I say this morning, Noah was different. Noah believed in God. He had faith in God. He obeyed God. Noah and his family symbolized the remnant church. Yes, the remnant church in this end time. Noah was faithful to his mission. He preached the present truth of his time. Now it's up to us to preach the, the present truth in our time. That's in the days of Noah. That includes that in the end time, God will have a people different that trust in God, that have faith in Jesus and are obedient to the Ten Commandments and to all of God's instructions. God has a remnant that will give a message of hope to this world that is about to be destroyed. By the word of God, the world that then was being overflowed with water perished, but the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. In other words, there's another storm coming. The earth will again be swept by the desolating wrath of God. And sin and sinners will be destroyed. Now notice, Noah stood like a rock amid the tempest. Surrounded by popular contempt and ridicule, he distinguished himself. Look how he distinguished himself. He distinguished himself by his holy integrity. The unwaving faithfulness. His connection with God made him strong in the strength of infinite power. Oh, like in the days of Noah, we need to stand like a rock. We need to distinguish ourselves with the power of God in our lives by holy integrity, by unwaving faithfulness, and our connection with God. That's where our power is. Now, during this health crisis of the coronavirus, we think that we have been tried. Go back to the story and see how Noah was tried. I mean, we think that our sudden has been bad. That being quarantined has been hard. Let's go back to the story. I do want to make a pause here real quick because I'm a family life man. And so all of a sudden we have a family life issue that comes up. So God commanded Noah, come thou and all thy house into the ark. <laughs> For thee have I seen righteousness before me in this generation. So Noah's warning had been rejected by the world but accepted by his family. So imagine the tremendous influence that he had on his sons and his sons' wives and the family and his wife. So just a word of encouragement to those that have parental fidelity. It's worth it, guys. Just stay strong and do your job well because Noah 
He was saved, but not alone. God loves to save us by families. So going back to the story, the massive door, which was impossible for those within to close, was shut, slowly shut in place by unseen hands. Just read the Bible account. Noah was shut in. Have you heard that word before? (laughs) He was shut in, and the rejectors of God's mercies were shut out. The seal of heaven was on the door. God had shut it, and only God could open it. For seven days, after Noah and his family entered the ark, there appeared no sign of a coming storm. So so imagine the the trial for Noah and his family. They're in the ark. Seven days have gone by, and nothing has happened. Imagine the people outside, how they're laughing at him. We told you so. This guy was crazy. Preached nonsense for 120 years. <laughs> but on the eighth day, on the eighth day, wow. Woo, on the eighth day, dark clouds overspread the heavens. There followed the muttering of thunder and the flash of lightning. Soon large drops of rain began to fall and the water started coming up. And you're familiar with the rest of the story, so we won't go there. We're just going to emphasize that part of the shut-in. Noah and his family were shut in for months. Months. Just like we have been during this COVID-19 era. The waters rose 15 cubits above the highest mountain. So we're talking about over 20 feet above the highest mountains. It often seemed that this family was doomed to perish. Five long months, the boat was tossed about like a toy. Apparently at the mercy of the, of the winds and, and, and the waves. It was a trying ordeal. But Noah's faith did not waver. For he had the assurance that the divine hand was upon the helm. So imagine, during those five months, the boat just going all over the place. And, and just thinking that at any second it could go underwater. It says the faith of Noah did not waver. I hope during this coronavirus your faith has not wavered because we were talking with my wife how, how a lot of very faithful Seventh-day Adventists, I don't know how they're going to come out of this. And some of them were not faithful before the coronavirus. Maybe they're now going to make plans to be unfaithful. But Noah's faith did not waver. So the waters begin to subside. So you remember the story. The, the ark suddenly is found in these high mountains that God had protected. And there was like a lake. The ocean was on the outside of those mountains. But there was like a really calm lake right in the middle. So that's where, where, that's where the, the, the ark ended. So imagine the great relief for these tempest-tossed voyagers. Noah and his family anxiously waited the decrease of the waters. They longed to go forth upon the, wor- the earth. They wanted to get out of the ark. Forty days after they had gotten to that, that place, the tops of the mountains became visible. <laughs> so Noah sent out a raven. Remember? It's a bird with a, a quick uh, scent, right? But they discovered that there was nothing dry. The bird didn't find anything but water and, and continued to fly and, and, and came back. So seven days later, they sent a dove. The dove came back also without finding no footing. Then seven days later, they sent the dove out again. and came back with an olive leaf. Wow. So Noah removed. The Bible says that once the, 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 the dove came back with the olive leaf, 
Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. Wow. But he still waited patiently within the ark. Why? Well, he had entered the ark under God's command, and he was going to leave the ark under God's command. So at last, the angel descended from heaven, opened the massive door, and bade the patriarch and his household to go out and take with them every living thing. So in the joy of their release, <laughs> Noah did not forget who had delivered them. He did not forget how they made it through those difficult times. And so the first thing he did was build an altar and offer a sacrifice to God. A sacrifice manifesting his gratitude and his faith in Christ, the great sacrifice. And the Bible says that this offering was pleasing to God. And a blessing resulted not only for the patriarch and his, and his family, but to all of us through the, the promise of the, of the rainbow. And, and this offering, the Bible says, the Lord smelled a sweet savor. As in the days of Noah, God wants us to be faithful, brothers and sisters. But not only faithful, he also wants us to be grateful. So, so look, folks, Noah was grateful before the shut-in. <laughs> the Bible says that when God decided this plan, he looked in the earth and says, here's the guy. <laughs> so Noah was faithful before the shut-in. He was faithful during the journey in the shut-in, in the ark. And he was faithful after he got out. I hope that would be our experience. But he was grateful, too. He was grateful for God's deliverance. He put his faith in the great sacrifice that would be accomplished in the future on his behalf for his salvation. So let's, let's be faithful. Let's be grateful. The only reason you're here this morning is because God has protected you. God has taken care of you. And those that are at home, you are worshiping this morning by the grace of Jesus Christ. We're alive and breathing and able to say thank you, Jesus, because of his grace, his protection. His love towards us. As in the days of Noah. Yes. God has. A faithful people. God has a grateful people. And who are they? Can you consider you. One of those? Can you stand up this morning and say. God I want to be faithful. But I also want to be grateful. I want to be like Noah. Yes. Like in the days of Noah, there were faithful people. Noah was faithful. The end of the trial, he was grateful. Brothers and sisters, I know that these are very challenging times. We don't know what the future holds. But I know who holds the future. <laughs> God has been so good, brothers and sisters. Boys and girls, young people, God has been awesome. He always is. Let's pray. Dear God, as in the days of Noah, that is what we're seeing. Our modern society is reliving the same lifestyle and corruption and evil as in the days of Noah. But also, Lord, looking at the positive, you had Noah. Faithful, trusting in you, obedient. 
He was saved with his family. God helped us also to have that faith, that courage to preach your message and give your word out to those that are lost, without hope, without God. Dear Jesus, help us to be examples of faithfulness and gratitude. Dear God, we are today's Noah's. Be with us. Help, help our faith not to waver. And when the storm passes by, help us to acknowledge that only by your grace, only by your mercy, we have made it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.